Hey, hey you, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of the Beautifully Built Podcast. I'm your girl, Melissa Impet. And let me tell you something funny. I literally just rolled out of bed. So if my voice sounds a little raspy, that's why. But hey, when you wake up feeling passionate, you come share that passion, you know? That's when the energy is most contagious. And let me tell you, I woke up this morning so full of passion on my own. And then I opened up Instagram and I had so many powerful DMs. I just wish that I could hug you all right now. Oh, my heart is so full. And I wanted to come on and share a little of that with you this morning. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you are getting a chance to tune in. Thank you so much for coming here and spending some time with me. I know I say it just about every episode, but I appreciate you more than you even know. You are what keeps the passion and the fire burning within me. So I'm so incredibly grateful for all of you. So this morning I've been so called to come here and get a little bit deeper into my story. And the reason why I want to share my story is because the power of vulnerability is really what sets us free. The power of vulnerability is what sets us free. And I feel like the more vulnerable I choose to be, it almost like gives you that permission to get extra vulnerable with yourself. So I've been doing a lot of thinking recently about my life, you know, the adventure, the path, the twists, the turns, the ups, the, the downs. When you can start remembering that your life is happening for you, not to you, it gives you the opportunity to really see the bigger picture, to see some of the bigger life lessons that you're meant to be taking away. But sometimes we get so trapped up in emotion that we really don't take the lessons away. It's pretty wild how emotions have this power to just completely blindside us. You know what I mean? Like when you're in an emotion, when you're in that feeling, it's hard to see anything else. All you can experience is that feeling that you're stuck within. So this is an interesting fact that I love sharing with my clients. Emotions, there's studies shown that emotions take approximately 90 seconds to run their toll. 90 seconds. So think about this. When you're feeling sad, if you could get into the practice of allowing that sadness to run it run through you, it could just take 90 seconds to move by. But what happens is we use our mind too much and we tangle ourselves in the emotion and then we get so tangled that we extend the amount of time that we feel sad. We get so lost in the story that we're creating in our mind about the experience that we get so tangled up in the sadness can last a really long time. And the reality is you can get so tangled that the sadness can last years, hopefully not your lifetime. 
And that's why I want to show up here and be so vulnerable about my own life and how I got so tangled up in emotions and I let them last way too long. And what you'll see is when you uncover these emotions that you've allowed to be trapped within you, you'll see that that's what's causing you to feel heavy. It's what's causing you to feel low, low vibe. It's truly what's causing you to dull your own shine. Maybe you're very similar to me. You just knew, you know, you have this deep knowing that you are meant for so much more in life, but you just can't figure out like, what the, why am I not getting out of my own way? What is it? Why can't I just get out of my own way? And that's because you might have some of this trapped emotion within you still. And it could be from when you were a year old and you experienced a fight that your parents had and you didn't even know what it meant because at a year old, you can't even process like that. But that pain, that memory still lives within you and you've never, you've never wanted to uncover it, to set it free because it's not necessarily the most fun thing and no one really guides us <laughs> to set some of that free. But it's so powerful when you can dig really deep and start asking yourself like, what happened in my life that I still kind of sort of hold onto emotionally within my body? So for me, I've been doing a lot of this soul searching because once I saw the power of starting to set this free, it almost became like addicting. It's like, geez, if I can start setting this stuff free, gosh, what's going to happen when I just feel so light? I'm going to be able to shine so much brighter in other people's lives. And my whole life starts to flow with so much more ease, the more free I feel. So I've been thinking back a lot to my childhood and I started realizing that, you know, I'm vulnerable about, about my past, but I haven't really been vulnerable here on the Beautifully Built podcast. I love sharing stories about my past with my clients one-on-one, -on -one, but I haven't really come here and explained much about me and my story. And I think that it's really important. You know, I had two DMs this morning asking, how did you get into this life coaching? And it made me realize, yeah, I really do need to be sharing my story more. So, you know, I grew up in Massachusetts. I was actually born in Salem, Massachusetts. I don't know if you've heard of the Salem witch trials, but I am a witch. I like to say that I am a good witch. <laughs> but that's interesting in itself that my mom chose Salem Hospital to go to don't really know why I didn't live there was there was closer hospitals but for some reason ended up at Salem Hospital and I don't know I think it's kind of cool I, I kind of like that part of myself but anyway I grew up an only child my parents struggled financially you know they both worked three jobs to just try to make ends meet and because of that they really didn't have the time for me 
So my aunt was one of the ones that raised me amongst quite a few people, but my aunt was really one of the ones that raised me. And it's amazing how if, if you're similar, your story's similar where your parents were really, really busy trying to make ends meet. It's amazing how that can leave us with almost like this feeling of abandonment. Okay, and it's important to know that there's, we're never pointing fingers, we're never blaming, we're just recognizing, understanding, getting to know ourselves on this deeper, deeper level. So it's not like it was my parents' fault by any means. They were doing whatever they could to give me the best possible life. But the reality is, you know, in those developmental stages as a child, when your parents aren't there, you don't see them. You see other faces more than your own parent. It's really easy to have this emotion, this feeling of abandonment. How important to work through that? Because how are you going to show up powerfully for yourself and everyone else in your life when deep down inside you have this emotion stuck within of abandonment? So what I started realizing is the more I could shine light on this, the more I could uncover this feeling and start seeing like, wow, that feeling of abandonment is probably why I turn to so many men. I turned to so many men because it was almost like I was trying to fill this void within myself, that abandonment. So when you start shining light on things, it gives it, it gives it permission to be set free. It starts, it starts letting go of like that emotional charge, that emotional power that it has on you. If you can start shining light on it, you can really, really set that free, right? It's when we resist pain, when we resist the feeling, the emotions, when we resist it, that's what keeps us stuck within it. Vulnerability Shining that light, understanding, getting to have the willingness to get your know yourself on a deeper level, that's what's truly going to set you free. So I started realizing that, that, oh, that, that all starts making sense. You know, my parents were trying to do the best that they could, but as a little girl, like, yeah, I had a little bit of that feeling of abandonment. Okay. Especially because I'm an only child. So it really, it was just me right? I felt that tension between my parents because they were new to parenting. I was the first kid. They were just trying to figure it out. And you know what? I wasn't necessarily planned, <laughs> you know? So if you aren't necessarily planned, which let's be real, who? <laughs> not everyone plans out their children, you know? So I wasn't necessarily planned. So hell yeah, my parents were just trying to figure it out. And unfortunately, it didn't go very well. <laughs> it didn't go very well. They had a really, really hard time trying to work together as parents and, and meet eye to eye on a lot of things. So it was much better off that they ended up going separate ways, which developmental stages of my life was detrimental. You know, seeing your parents split that pain, I felt that pain for both of them. As a little girl, I held on to that pain, seeing all the fighting, seeing all the tension, seeing all the arguments, that became a part of me. 
And of course, you know, it affects you every single day, whether you realize it or not. When you experience that much pain at such a young age, it becomes a part of you. So my parents split and um, my dad, unfortunately, suffered with, you know, bipolar and he wasn't necessarily treated. So it was really, really hard on him because he was dealing with this chemical imbalance in his brain on top of this split, on top of losing his wife and his only daughter. You know, he was dealing with this chemical imbalance inside of his brain that he wasn't willing to admit. You know, he was that resistance. He was resisting that truth. And because of it, he was on this up and down and up and down. And, and he kept losing everything that he owned. So he went off and suffered with some addiction, you know, drugs and alcohol, and couldn't really get himself stable. So he was homeless for quite some time. And I was so young, so to an extent, I didn't really know what was going on. But I knew what was going on. I knew what was going on. I'll never forget one day he showed up, um, the new, the new place that my mom and I ended up living. He showed up there one day with, he had a pickup truck at the time and every single thing he owned was in that pickup truck. And he was so worried about it getting repossessed because he couldn't pay for it. <laughs> and he ended up leaving and, and leaving the truck there. And I knew I heard them talking. I knew that if that truck got repossessed, everything he owned was going to be gone. I couldn't, I couldn't take that pain. So I took it upon myself to sneak out of my house and hide all of my dad's stuff. I cleared out his entire truck, everything in there. I took it out and I hid it. I hid it in the garage because I didn't want to see my dad go through the pain of losing everything. He had already lost us. I didn't want to see him losing everything. So, geez, I took on so much of that pain. And here I am growing up in my adult life thinking that none of that affects me anymore. But the reality is... If you leave that, this stuff uncovered, if you leave that sitting on the subconscious mind, it can be dulling your shine. You have to get to know your own story and start bringing light to it. It really truly comes down to the intentions that you're setting. So the intention that I set every time I start soul searching back into my past is not that I want to relive these emotions and be sad and depressed and angry and frustrated all over again. That's not the point. That's not the intention that I'm setting. The intention that I'm setting is that I want to get to know myself on a deeper level so I can heal that inner child now. And I can use my own story as that purpose and that passion to move forward. So I'm not uncovering things to bring back the same pain. I'm setting that pain free. I'm setting this powerful intention that I want to get to know my story so deeply so that I truly understand why I am the way that I am, why I think the way that I think, why I might be holding myself back because of some of this stuff that I haven't worked through and processed. So my mom and I ended up moving into a really big 
old, old. The, um, the North Shore in Massachusetts has a lot of history, a lot of history. And we were living in Ipswich, Massachusetts at the time, which is so many old, old colonial homes. So we moved into this really old colonial farmhouse um, in Ipswich. And we moved in as house sitters. My mom really didn't have any other choice. We didn't have anywhere to go after my parents split up and she wasn't financially stable enough to be able to afford a place for both of us. So she got resourceful. And this is really, you know, one of the, something I've taken away from both of my parents is, is how powerful it is to be resourceful. So she got really resourceful and she found a home for us to move into as house sitters. So not only was it a place to live, but it was also it was also a job for her. So we moved into this house and oh my gosh, I can still feel how scared I was as a little girl. First, we had this tiny little house that we had been living in. That's where I grew up. And you know, when when we lost the house and moved into this huge, really old, ancient farmhouse I was horrified as a little girl I remember that fear it was so there was spiders everywhere and it was so big and I kept getting lost and it was scary but when we moved in there you know it was such a shift to my lifestyle because we went from you know all of this fighting and this anger and this tension you could just you know how you can just feel tense energy so much tension with my parents and now we are in this big, spacious, abundant, you know, Pete, the man that lived in this house, he came from really old money. So it was really fancy and elegant. And it was just such a drastic shift to my life at five years old. So I was pretty confused. I didn't really totally understand it, but I learned pretty quickly that I liked this new life, let me tell you. I really loved this new life. Pete was such an interesting man. He was older, so he was in his late 50s, early 60s. I was five at the time. My mom was, what, 35 at the time. And yeah, so he must have been in his late 50s, late 50s. And he was so interesting. He had lived such an interesting life. He was an author. He traveled the world writing. He spoke different languages. He was so incredibly educated. And now looking back on that, I can totally see why I value education so much. And that's because he became such a big part of my life and it was truly one of his biggest values. So it's amazing to see where we, you know, where we adopt some of the things that we value, our beliefs really truly comes from when we were this sponge at the age of zero to seven. It's when we truly are a sponge and we learn how we want to be, you know, what we want to value, how we want to show up in the world. We learned that from the people that we were surrounded by. So think back into your own story, you know, who were you spending your most time surrounded by? And did they value the things that you want to be valuing today? Because if not, you got to rewrite that. You got to rewrite what it is that you truly do want to value. So Pete loved education. 
Oh, he was such an interesting man. I remember sitting in his office while he would be working and I would be there with his cases of his own book that he wrote. Oh, I can't wait for that day when I have cases of the book that I write because that was the vision that Pete put in my mind all the way back then, five years old. I would just hold on to his book and I would go over and he'd be so busy and probably a little bit annoyed with me, but I'd be like, can you please autograph this for me? And he would sign it for me. And oh, it was such a great feeling as a little girl. I just truly looked up to him so much. <laughs> and so did my mom. <laughs> to the point where they actually fell in love and got married. <laughs> Kind of like a fairy tale story. We move in because he was kind of like saving us. We had nowhere to go. He saved us and opened his home for us. And, and I ended up falling in love with Pete. And Pete never had any children of his own. He never really dated. He was just really, really intellectual. So he was never really in relationships. And he definitely never had a five-year-old. And we fell in love, I think, before my mom and Pete fell in love. We truly fell in love and had such a bond. And um, yeah, eventually they, they fell in love and got married. And so this place that we were living that was, you know, my mom's job and this house-sitting job that she had became our home. It became our home and be, we became a family. <sighs> such a fairy tale. I took so much away from this experience, you know. He really showed me, like I said, how to value education, but also nature. He loved nature, loved nature, was always teaching me about different plants and different birds and giving me this greater appreciation for this earth that we live on. And I'm so grateful for that because I've carried that on into my life today. I truly value nature, this abundant world that we live in. <sighs> So here's where it gets hard. <laughs> it's real easy talking about all those good times. It's a little more challenging when we have to be vulnerable and start talking about where times get a little bit tougher in our life. You know, and we experience some of those things that we can't really necessarily wrap our head around. You know, you know those experiences where it's like, why did this have to happen? <sighs> so one day... Uh, it was one of my really good friend's birthday. <laughs> I think she was turning, let's see, I was, I think I was 10. So I think she was turning nine years old and it was her birthday. And you know how like parents would always do like the parent party and the kid party. So like the parent party would be in one room and the kid party would be in the other room. It was like one of those birthday parties where it was also like a party for the parents, but like all the kids got together too. And my mom was busy that night. She had somewhere else to be. So Pete was going to take me. And I think that the most pain that I hold from this situation was that I was being really bad before we left for that party. I don't know what was going on. I was in a really bad mood, but I just remember being really misbehaved before. And we were kind of, there was kind of some tension there, but whatever, we went to the party anyway. And I remember getting to the party and kind of like storming off to go find my friends. You know, Pete went to the, to, to the adult party and I went and stormed off and found all my friends. And we were playing. All the kids were downstairs and the parents were upstairs and we were playing. And I vaguely remember hearing 
somebody upstairs just like repeating the address over and over and over again, like pretty loud to the point where I could hear it downstairs over all of the kids playing. Didn't really think anything of it at the time, you know, just kept playing and had a really, was having a really good time. And eventually the host of the party, she came downstairs. It was my friend's mom. She came downstairs and she pulled me aside and she was like, everyone called me Missy at the time. She's like, Missy, Missy, come here. And so I ran over. I was 10 at the time, you know? So she said to me, she said, does Pete have any, like, any choking problems? Does, does he choke much? <laughs> and here I am, 10 years old, looking at her like, huh? <laughs> I don't know. I looked at her and I was like, I don't know. Sometimes he coughs. Like, I didn't know what to say. And she said, well, come upstairs with me. I really want you to come talk to the EMTs. And I didn't even know what EMT meant, you know? But I followed her upstairs and she brought me into the room where all of the adults were. <sighs> and I walked into Pete laying on the floor right in front of me. And he was completely blue. His skin was so blue from loss of oxygen. And he was in this big puddle because he was sweating so much. And everyone was in a circle around him and everyone was screaming his name and... He made eye contact with me and we looked at each other and it wasn't much longer until he passed. He had, they were all having so much fun and he was eating and I think it was a piece of chicken. He was eating grilled or um, like chicken wings or something like that. And I think that they were just all laughing and having a really good time and he asphyxiated. So what that means is he choked and people were trying to give him the Heimlich, but because he was trying to gasp for air, it actually brought the piece of food into his lungs. And when something hits your lungs, they start filling up with fluid. And so that's what happened. And it's, it's almost like drowning on earth because your, your lungs fill up with fluid. And um, yeah, he didn't even make it to the hospital. And uh, my mom wasn't even there. I think that was like the hardest part. That feeling of like abandonment again, you know? I was so young and I was surrounded by these people that loved me, but like they weren't my family. I didn't know what was going on. And I just remember, you know, after the EMTs took him away, I remember running up to my friend's bedroom and just crawling into her bed. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was going on. I felt like I was in an absolute nightmare. All I wanted was my mom, but no one wanted to call my mom because they didn't want her driving, you know, with so much trauma. So she, she was eventually coming there that night. She just had some plans first and she was going to come later on. So we just waited for her to get there. And I'll never forget. I remember the front door opening and she walks in and she's like happy birthday she was so happy to be there and be wishing Nicole a happy birthday and I went flying down the stairs hysterically crying and you know that's when the news was broken to her that her husband just passed and it was so traumatic and I just remember I think the most pain was the fact that we lived in his life. We moved into his house as the house sitters, you know, and 
we had to leave that birthday party and go back to his world. <sighs> and for years, years of my life, it was, why me? Why did this have to happen to me? Why? So many of my friends lived this happy life with happy families and siblings and why me? Why did this have to happen to me? And it's so cool to be at a place now where it's like, this happened to me because the pain that I had to experience at such a young age was going to fill me up with this passion to be able to show up here and speak and inspire others to work through their pain and to turn their pain into passion. It took a long time to uncover that. And let me tell you, the road was tough. I lost it after that happened. You know, I lost it. My mom started dating again. My mom was so unstable, you know, so unstable. So she started dating again right away and I flipped out. I didn't want another man in my life. I didn't want another man taking my mother away from me. So I went straight rebellion mode, like to the extreme. I would take off for days at a time. My mom wouldn't be able to find me. She would try to lock me in the house and I would jump out the window. And mind you, I was 12 years old, 12 years old, taking off. I had a list of older guys that all had their licenses that, you know, some of them didn't know my age. I was lying about my age and I was taking off with them. And I started getting into drugs. I started drinking at 12 years old and I had no idea the destruction that I was causing myself and everyone you know all the adults in my life didn't know what to do they literally didn't know how to handle me and the reality is is I didn't know how to handle myself so my mom had no other option but to put me into serious programs so I went to every type of therapist you can even imagine all different types of therapy and and programs and group programs i went to this place called summit achievement which is kind of like a it was kind of like an outdoor wilderness boot camp experience and it was nine weeks in the middle of the woods in maine and it was straight hiking and it was torture <laughs> absolute torture but my mom was willing to do anything to help break me out of this vicious scary cycle that i was in unfortunately the problem with you know some of these programs is yeah they you know they have every intention to help straighten out a child every intention to help teach a child discipline and leadership and you know valuing education and learning and and trying to help help pe people turn their lives around but the reality is is when you bring together a bunch of troubled individuals all it did for me was teach me more you know i was 12 years old and a lot of these other girls that i was you know literally stuck with were 20 to 25 and they were all you know severely addicted to heroin and a lot of them um, were like really suicidal there was quite a few girls that were cutting themselves and injuring themselves and 
It really just taught me and it opened my eyes to a lot more. And for me, it didn't necessarily help me. If anything, it put me into a worse place because I knew more than I should know. And I learned how to be really sneaky and really sly because, you know, any, anyone going through trauma and pain that's put together in this really regulated, restricted environment, they're gonna figure out ways to be sneaky and sly. And that's really what it taught me. So from that program, the next move was to go to boarding school. So I went to two different boarding schools. The first one was like a super therapeutic boarding school where they actually had like access to me at any hour of the day. So it could have been like three in the morning and I could have people in my room like checking up on me, making sure, you know, that I was behaving and not doing anything to injure myself or harm myself. And uh, I was in such a bad place such a bad place you know that feeling of abandonment that i already mentioned was a huge part of my life now i felt like my mom couldn't handle me so she was shipping me off and you know like i said sometimes we're so in our own emotions we're so in our own story that we can't see the bigger picture and at this point in my life hell no i was not seeing the bigger picture my mom was trying to save me and in my mind my mom was doing whatever she could to send me away and ship me off and she didn't want to deal with me so she had other people dealing with me and you know it was really rough on our relationship if you guys follow me on instagram now you see my mom and i are together all the time now and it's amazing because back then whoo we were like oil and water. So it's amazing how, you know, over time, once you are open and willing to healing, you know, you can heal some of those relationships that you think will never in your lifetime heal. You truly can. So anyway, long story short, I went to a few different boardings in two different boarding schools the first one I just barely made it through to ninth grade and at ninth grade it, it was a junior boarding school, so it only went to ninth grade. So I had to move boarding schools. So I went from that boarding school, which was that therapeutic style. So it was incredibly structured. Like I'm talking like uniform every second of every single day. I had to be somewhere. And if I wasn't there, they'd be on the look for you, on the hunt for you. So very structured, rigid. And in ninth grade or in um, tenth grade, sophomore year of high school, I moved to another boarding school, and this one was in New Hampshire. And this wasn't necessarily as much as that therapeutic style; it was more so just like a prep school, a boarding school, and there was no structure. So I went from all of this structure to no structure. <laughs> and guess what happened? I didn't last very long. I got myself in trouble real quick to the point where I never got myself in little trouble. I went from no trouble at all to getting expelled. So I got um, expelled four months into the school year. I was hanging out with a lot of people, didn't have very good intentions. And, you know, I was so just looking for love. I was so just looking to be accepted by people. I was just so looking for attention. I was searching for anyone that was willing to give me attention. And unfortunately, the people that I found first that were willing to give me that, that attention, they didn't have my best intention at heart whatsoever. 
they got me into some pretty sketchy things and I was hanging out with some pretty sketchy people doing some really sketchy activities and I got caught real quick and that was that that was the end of that and from there my mother had it she was done she tried everything she could she spent so much money trying to help me and I wasn't willing to show up and help myself so she put her foot down and she said I'm done you know I <laughs> I got kicked out in the middle of the day it was like three in the afternoon and they put me well first they had me call my mother and tell her can you imagine calling your parents being like hi I just got kicked out of school can you come get me that was quite the conversation and uh, the answer was hell no <laughs> she was not coming to get me so the school had to find somebody to come get me and remember I had mentioned to you that my dad was suffering with you know his 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 mental condition being bipolar and not stable and um, he was living in a Salvation Army halfway home at the time but that was, you know, he, they had to find someone to come get me. It was immediate dismissal. They were not letting me go back to my dorm. So I sat in the nurse's office till like two in the morning, waiting for the school to like figure out what the hell they were going to do with me. And uh, my dad, they contacted my dad and he was living in this halfway home. He didn't have a car or a license. So he ended up having to find a friend to come drive to New Hampshire to come pick me up. And I went back with him to this halfway home and they snuck me in. It was very illegal that I was there. This was um, a recovering drug addict, an alcoholic men's facility. And I got snuck in and pretty much stayed in his one little room there for a month and a half until we could figure out like, what the hell are we going to do now? You know, I had made such a mess out of my life and my family's life and nobody really knew what the hell to do. You know, it was a really, really hard situation. And let me tell you, in the moment, I felt like I just wanted to die. You know, I didn't even want to deal with anything. I was in so much pain. I was so empty, so broken. It was like, hell no, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. I was in such a dark place. And I really want to come here and share this with you today. Because if that's where you are in your life, you feel like you're in such a dark place. How are you going to get out of the situation that you're in right now? I want to be here and stand strong for you and remind you that anything is possible for you with the willingness to make a shift and a change in your life. I was seriously at such a rock bottom. And look at me now. <laughs> look at me now. <laughs> it's so possible, you guys. You can use your past as power as purpose to move forward. You know, I had hit rock bottom and I was so upset with myself because my stepfather, Pete, who had just passed away, he wanted nothing but the world for me. He wanted the world for me. And here I am sitting in this bedroom in a halfway home and I knew in my heart that I was letting him down. And it's amazing because if the whole situation didn't play out where he passed away and then all of this trauma happened, 
I don't know if I ever would have strived for more. It took all of that pain of losing him and feeling like I lost my mother and now I lost grip on my entire life. It took all of that pain to help me uncover my passion and my power. So from there, I was able to dust myself off thanks to a lot of people. I had a lot of really good people show up in my life to help me dust myself off. And I was able to dust myself off and I was starting to, to move in the right direction. I started changing the type of people that I was surrounding myself with. I started getting real with myself and reminding myself that I couldn't be searching for love in everybody else. I needed to find that love within myself. And once I started finding that love within myself, I started slowly, very slowly, uncovering my own potential. I started getting more into leadership programs and doing some extracurricular activities to help me realize that, you know, I could use my story as this powerful tool to help people realize that they don't have to remain the same. I started telling myself that if I could pick myself up right now, I have a really powerful story that I can share. And that was really what I just like laser focused on. I got myself through the rest of high school. I applied to college on my own. I got into college. I was so grateful to have my mom's support again because she saw that I was trying to shift my life. So she really helped me, you know, with the financial side of getting into college. When I got into college, I took it upon myself to get into the leadership studies program. So I started studying more about leadership because I had been introduced to leadership in boarding school, but I just like, I wasn't there. I wasn't in the right mindset. And once I was able to kind of dust myself off, I realized that leadership was a really powerful place to be. And I wanted to be able to help other people who had felt like they had hit their rock bottom and they had no options. You know, I had been surrounded by all of these girls who were suffering with drug addiction and suicide and all of these really low vibe thoughts and emotions. And I started realizing that I could be this voice for so many people. So throughout college, that was my focus, you know, and in college, that's when I got introduced to the world of health and fitness and taking care of your body and loving your body. And like you see here on the Beautifully Built podcast, appreciating the body that you were blessed with. So much of my trauma and so much of my pain came from the fact that I hated my body. You know, I didn't even get into that in this episode because you've already heard a lot of my story around that. Like, you know, I had so much hate for my body and that's why I was searching for attention through so many other avenues except for coming within. So once I got into to the health and the nutrition and, and helping people in that way, then I started really being like, you know what? These people are trying to change their bodies so that they love themselves. But what if I could show up in people's lives and teach them how to love themselves no matter what their body looks like, but if anything, to love themselves because of their story. We all have such a unique story. Maybe you haven't had as much trauma in your life. There's nothing wrong with that. You still have a story and everybody's story matters. Being open to be vulnerable, A, is going to set you free, 
but also is going to give everybody else the permission around you to be vulnerable too. And the more vulnerability we have in this world, the easier it's going to be for all of us to raise the vibration of the world. It's this resistance, this resistance. It's what's causing people so much pain, resisting the life that they've lived, resisting the decisions that they've made, staying stuck in the emotions. That's what's keeping everybody playing small. That's what's causing so much tension. When we can uncover this vulnerability and be open to share our stories, it's going to give everybody else around us the permission to do the same. And so much deeper healing is going to happen when people are willing to set the emotional charge free. Thank you so much for listening to my story. You know, it's it's gotten so much easier over time to share my story. It really has because, because I've, I've been vulnerable before and it's like that act of practicing something. The more you are vulnerable, the more you practice it, the easier it becomes. I'm so grateful for the hundreds of therapists and, and mentors and, and people that were really there to help pick me up and put all of the pieces of my puzzle back together. I'm so grateful. And you know, it's, it's so many of you listening right now that really just fill me up and give me the encouragement to keep showing up and to keep being vulnerable and to keep help giving other people the permission to show up and be vulnerable. Cause that's, what's going to move mountains. You guys, It's what's going to move mountains. So this is really so much of my journey that has led me to where I am today, you know, and it's, it's why I've gotten so into life coaching because I know for a fact from experience that if you want it bad enough, you can shift the trajectory of your life. And I want more than anything to help other people do that using my own story. So it's, it's been such a road. It's been such an adventure, but gosh, I'm only, I'm turning 30 years old this December. So it's pretty exciting to know that you can make this much growth transformation and shift in your life in such a small time. It really just takes that willingness and that eagerness to be vulnerable and get really, really real with yourself, real with your story and real with your mission. If your mission is to show up and help raise the vibration of the world, you are a light worker just like I am. And we have a lot of work to do here in this world. And that's why I want to help you be open to sharing your story because you're going to change lives. <laughs> I love you guys so much. This, you truly are my family here. You truly, truly are my family here. And I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. So thank you so much. As always, if you know somebody who might be impacted by hearing these messages that I like to come share or, you know, the messages that so many of the people that I have on the show to interview, please share, please share the podcast. It really means the world to me. I think that more people need to hear these messages. So share it on your Instagram, take a screenshot, tag me so I can send you some love and appreciation. 
I love you so much, and I will be back to share more of my story soon, so stay tuned. I love you guys. I appreciate you more than you even know. Catch you on the next episode.